So this week I sat down to um, write the talk for today, and the, we've been looking at abundant life. Uh, last started last week, and um, last week we looked at look up, and the title of today's talk was look in. And anyway, so I sat down to write my talk, and um, I was looking out the window up in one of the offices upstairs, and um, it was a beautiful blue sky. Absolutely stunning it was, and, um, and I looked over to Richardson Dees Park, and the trees looked beautiful and wonderful, and it was so nice just to see them sort of like blowing in the wind. And then even the privet hedge that was really been nicely shaped, rectangular across the road, and I was just, you know, you just take a breath, don't you? Have you, have you experienced that? You just look and you see and you just go, oh, don't we live in a beautiful world? That's kind of where I got to. Um, and then I start, you know, you, when you start to look out and you kind of have, go into those places of not thinking about work and just looking at the world around you, you start to think, well, why don't I do this more often? <laughs> why don't I just stop and enjoy creation, uh, the beauty of creation? And then I thought, well, it's the start of a year. You know, I can choose. I could, cho I could actually choose to take more time to enjoy creation. I could enjoy spending more time walking through the trees, not just looking at them, you know, and all of that. And, well, anyway, today's talk is all about choices. It's all about choices. Choices like enjoying creation. Small choices, big choices, choices we make maybe once a year, or choices we make multiple times a day. You know, the small and the big choices play such an important role, both externally and internally, in forming us, in shaping us into the person we are today and the person that we want to be tomorrow. You know, the choices we make, big and small, help us to walk the path that we have chosen to walk. And as I said, last week we started a conversation around abundant life. You know, we explored that this full life can only be found when we fix our eyes on Jesus. Only found when we follow his ways and his example. You know, we saw that the wisdom of the world, however sometimes helpful, does not lead to abundant life without focusing our attention upon Jesus. In Joshua 24, 15, we read of the big choice we all have to make in life. And he says this, And if it is evil in the eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers, the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, abundant life begins with who we serve. You know, who we look to, who we follow, who we listen to. Do we listen and follow the ways of the world, the wider culture? You know, if you like, the equivalent to the gods of the Amorites. Or do we serve the Lord, follow the ways of Jesus, the one who brings life and life to the full? So this is Jesus speaking in Luke 14, 28, and he says this, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? And so we have all of the smaller choices that we can make. You know, how are we going to build our life? 
What are we going to prioritize each week, each month? What do we value? What do we do? What do we invest in? For if we determine in our hearts to fix our eyes on Jesus, if we know that this is the only way to abundant life, that's Jesus, then we need to ensure that we look to build our life upon Jesus, look to build our life, fixing our eyes upon him, living his ways. You see, there is a promise, and the promise is that if we fix our gaze upon Jesus, if we choose to follow his ways, then the promise of full and abundant life is there. So today we're going to continue our conversation about abundant life by thinking about the choices we have made, but more importantly, about the choices we're going to make this year. So I'm going to pray. So Father God, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for the beautiful world in which we live. Lord, I thank you for the fact that we can come and enjoy each other's company, that we can worship together, we can learn from your word, and we can make choices today about how we live our life tomorrow. So fill us with your spirit. Give us wisdom. Give us courage where change needs to happen, that we might, we might follow you more closely this year. Amen. In Judaism, there is a word that is used to describe a full and blessed life. It is used as a greeting, but it has a much deeper meaning, a far greater meaning, and that word is shalom. So shalom is a Hebrew word meaning peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. That's what shalom means. Um, so Jesus was a Jew. I don't know whether you know that, but he was. He was brought up in a Jewish culture. He taught in synagogues. Um, when it said he lived a perfect life, it was because he followed the Jewish laws that had been given by God the Father perfectly. Jesus was a Jew, and so in the context of his life and ministry, you know, to bring fulfillment to the story of Israel, uh, you know, he was the prophesied and promised Messiah for, that we see in the Old Testament. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. You see, as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we must read the words of Jesus through the lens of the context in which he was living and was raised. So when Jesus says in John 10.10, I came that they might have life and have it to the full, you know, a significant part of his thinking would have been rooted in this concept of shalom. You know, of course he meant more than that. You know, when Jesus came, he didn't just come to point us back to the law. He came to point us to freedom, forgiveness, healing, and eternal life. You know, his idea of abundance was far more than just this word shalom, but it would mean shalom as part of that invitation to abundance. Peace, harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. I don't know about you, but that sounds quite good to me. Do you want to know a fun fact about me? Um, well, um, you're probably not going to guess this one, but when I was at uni, 
I probably grew a couple of thousand of clover plants. I know, that's some perplexed looks. I didn't do a degree in um, clover, but I did, for my research, grow probably thousands of these little clover-cloned plants. And um, looking at your faces, that's probably only exciting to a biologist like me. Um, so we're not going to lie. Anyway, um, has anybody watched The Green Planet yet? Yeah, pretty amazing. Plants are amazing. They are absolutely phenomenal, complicated organisms. Anyway, one of my experiments that I required these clover plants for was looking at the impact of different levels of a pollutant called ozone. And you might think of ozone as the up there that stops the UV radiation, but it's all around us, and it's actually a really dangerous um, pollutant. But the problem was I forgot to water my plants. It was a really hot day, and I think Nicola and I were enjoying the sunshine. And then I had that horrible panic feeling, my plants. So I ran, well, not ran, I drove over to my lab, quickly poured some water in, but by that time they were wilted and they looked really sad and poorly little things. And, um, and I don't know whether you've grown plants, you know, I'm sure most of you have, but if you um, let them get a little bit wilted, they just don't do so well. And they get aphids. I don't know why, but kind of wilted plants seem to get aphids more regularly. Um, so anyway, I had to pick off the aphids and kind of spray them with all sorts of things. And I finally got them to look almost okay. Another time, I, the plants grew too quick. It was, they'd just done really well. And, and then I noticed the leaves started to go purple. Anybody seen purple leaves on their plants? Well, um, it could be many things, but probably the most likely thing is phosphorus deficiency. That turns leaves purple. Okay, it's not, I, I promise you, it's not just a biology lesson. Um, the thing is, most of the time my plants thrived. I was relatively good at growing clover. Um, because they were well watered, they were well fed, we repotted them, we trimmed them, we kept them warm in heated greenhouses, and we even had a greenhouse that pumped in CO2, carbon dioxide, so they would grow better. You know, when I think of Shalom, I think about plants. Healthy, green, flowering, fruitful plants. You know, plants that have all of the nutrients that they need, big enough pots to grow in, well watered, the right amount of sun and warmth. That's what I think of. When I think of Shalom, I think of the most healthy plant I've ever grown. In many ways, human beings are just like a plant. You know, we need the right nutrients to thrive, the right conditions to grow in. You know, we might be able to survive in suboptimal conditions with nutrient deficiency, but we're never going to thrive. We're never going to find abundant life if we don't place ourselves in the correct conditions for life and feed ourselves with the right nutrients. There is a big dif difference between plants and human beings. There's probably quite a few, to be fair, but there's one that I want to point out. We get to choose. A plant doesn't get to choose where it is planted. It can't like say, I don't like this, it's a bit too shaded. I'm going to walk myself over to where it's sunny. We get to choose what nutrients we take in and what conditions we put around us to grow in. 
Okay, another, <laughs> I've put another fun fact about plants. Um, you can tell Nick hasn't checked this talk. She'll say, David, this is not a fun fact. Another fact about plants. Um, if, a drought, if a plant is drought-stressed, okay, sometimes they flower prematurely. Did you know that? I don't know what they do. Anyway, it's so easy to look at the plant, see the flowers coming, and think, wow, that plant's doing really well. It's flowering much quicker than I expected it to flower. But then you take a closer look, and it's leggy, it's unhealthy, and it's actually about to die. But amazingly, creation, it knows that if it can get its seeds out quickly, it gives, the, gives it a chance of the whole species of carrying on. Love it. So clever. It looks productive, but it's going to die due to its stressful environment. So here's a thought for us. Here's a thought to get us thinking, to get us started. How many people look productive on the outside? Even successful, and yet are dying on the inside. Let me say that again. How many people look productive on the outside, even successful, and yet are dying on the inside? One last thing about plants. and help it. All good things come in threes. Um, they do better when they don't have to compete with weeds. Weeds are, of course, plants, um, but they're unwanted plants, especially in my raised beds. <laughs> anybody know what the next plant is? See if we've got any botanists among us. Anybody know that, what that is? I see, you can tell the keen gardeners they leant forward in their seats. And it's called ground elder. It's horrible. It's a horrible plant. Um, I once had a load of ground elder around my raspberry bushes. And do you know what's really annoying about ground elder? Is young leaves of raspberries and young leaves of ground elder look almost identical. So you're trying to pull it up and you realize you've pulled up half your raspberry plants. So annoying. The other annoying thing about ground elder is you can whip it all out the ground, but you leave a little bit of the root. And a few days later, it starts to shoot up. And two weeks later, you've got a problem again, especially in the summer. If left to go wild, the ground elder would have completely robbed my raspberry plants of nutrients and of water, and they would have not been as fruitful as they could have been. And don't get me started on this one. Anyone know what this one is? Horsetail, thank you, Mary. Horsetail, horrible, horrible thing. You can't get rid of it. Anyway, Matthew... 13, Jesus tells us the parable of the soils, and he says this. You know, some of the seeds will fall on thorny ground. And then he goes on. The seeds falling among the thorns refer to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The seeds are the kingdom, the kingdom of God. It is the gospel. It's the promise of shalom. It's abundant life. It's fruitfulness. When, when plants have weeds, they don't do well. When human beings are surrounded by the worries and deceitfulness of the world, we don't thrive. To find shalom, to experience abundance, we need to plant ourselves in the right conditions, feed ourselves the right water and nutrients, pull up the weeds that are choking the life out of us. And if we do that, 
we will become fruitful, find fullness of life and shalom. He goes on, Jesus does. He says this, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who can produce a crop yielding 160, 30 times what is sown. You know, we have an amazing gift. You see, compared to most plants, no, actually, across that out, all plants, there's not some that kind of magically can move. Well, they actually can. No, we won't go there. Anyway, we, <laughs> we, 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 I sometimes talk to my plants. Does anybody else talk to their plants? Good, okay. For those of you watching online, I am mostly n- normal. Um, uh, what am I talking about? We get to choose the conditions and the nutrients we can thrive in. We get to choose. We get to choose. A couple of years ago, um, after doing a few cost calculations, I had a nice spreadsheet, um, we bought a Nissan Leaf EV car. Um, better known as Lee Leaf in the Bass household. Um, and um, we heard the phrase for the first time, battery anxiety. Um, well, we thought this is ridiculous. Who gets battery anxiety? And then we started driving and we started looking at our kind of battery charge, thinking, can we get home with this level of battery? Um, where's the next charging point? And we started to feel ourselves getting stressed. <laughs> it was like, this is irrational. We know our house is only five miles away and we've got 55 miles on the charge, but we're getting worried that we're going to run out of electricity. Most kids, if they see this symbol, have a slight meltdown. Um, Let's be honest, most adults, if they see that symbol, start to have a slight meltdown because they go, I'm I'm disconnected from the world. It's really satisfying when you put your phone on to charge overnight and you wake up to this one. Yeah, anybody like that? You think, I'm going to be fine for the day. My phone is fully charged. Most of us pay more attention to the battery of our phone than we do the batteries in our life. Do we do the same for our life? You know, to have the best conditions in our life to thrive and to experience abundant life, we need to pay attention to a few different life batteries. Throughout the Bible, you know, it's... God is so helpful in showing us what batteries we need to focus upon. And today, I'm just going to look at three. There are others, but I'm just going to drill in on three. So the first battery, at the start of 2022, I want to encourage us to think about how we can recharge it and keep it fully charged, is spiritual. Our spiritual battery. John 15 says this, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Now in this parable, Jesus is speaking about himself. He is the vine. Jesus is the vine. And we, you and I, are the branches. If we disconnect, if we try and do things our own way, if we don't spend time with God, we become dry. We become less fruitful, and ultimately, it leads to death. You know, I started with the spiritual battery because it is the most important. 
It is from our spiritual relationship with Jesus, our relationship with the Lord, that all life flows. You know, if you like the, the spiritual batteries last week's talk, it's the look up. It's our fixing our gaze upon Jesus. It's prioritizing time with Jesus. It's prioritizing times of worship and connection with his body together like this on a Sunday. So I've got a few diagnostic questions um, about our battery level, our spiritual battery level. How often do you set a time aside time to pray? Just during the week, how, how often? How often do you read the Bible? I'm going to show you something, actually. My youngest daughter, um, so I'm dyslexic, for those of you that haven't been around for long. I do mention it from time to time. So reading the Bible, I find really difficult. Small words, lots of them on a page, really hard. And um, so I was, I don't know how we got onto it, but we are just chatting, and Sarah said... Um, I wonder if you can buy each book of the Bible separately. I was like, well, that's a cool idea. So I went on to Amazon, and um, I found this. So this is the New Testament, all of the books, apart from some of the small ones that have been booked together, all separate. So if you find reading the Bible hard, the text size hard, I really recommend having a look at this. So you basically have... The words, much bigger, like a normal book, and then a page to write notes on. So I went online and ordered one, and excited to start reading it. So just a little throughout there. We could spend more time reading the Bible. How often do you come to a worship service like this? Do you prioritize it as a weekly thing? How often do you practice spiritual practices? Things like silence or solitude. You know, do you invest in discipleship with Christian friends, like life groups, for example, like we've just been filling in? You know, imagine that picture of the empty battery. You know, if you look at your week or your month, each of this, these things fills our spiritual battery. You know, every time we take time to pray, a little bit more charge goes on our spiritual battery. Every time we read the Bible, a little bit more charge. Every time we go to a life group and talk about faith and life together, a little bit more charge goes on the spiritual battery. When we come to a worship service, enjoy fellowship, but most importantly, enjoy the presence of the Lord. A little bit more charge goes on to our battery. When we're walking on the beach or through the trees or enjoying creation like I started this talk with, and we start to talk to the Lord, tell him about our week, let him speak into our lives, more charge goes on the spiritual battery. And if we keep doing these things, then we find the charge on our spiritual battery gets more full. That then speaks into all the other parts of life. So here's a question for you. What percentage is your spiritual battery? If you had that iPhone battery symbol, What percentage is your spiritual battery? Okay, battery number two, relational. Proverbs 18, 24 says this, some friendships do not last, but some friends are more loyal than brothers. Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Proverbs 27, 6, which is, I think, a relatively new translation called The Voice, which is a bit like The Message, 
um, for those of you that... Um, so I would always read it with something like the NIV or the English Standard Version, just to make sure it's fully accurate. But this is what it says. Wounds inflicted by the correction of a friend prove he is faithful. The abundant kisses of an enemy shows his lies. To be honest, I don't know about you, but I find the relational battery the hardest to fill. You know, everyone has a busy life. The role of a senior pastor is a unique um, role and brings some relational challenges. Then, of course, we've been living through a pandemic. You know, it's just nice to see you all here and to, to have this time where we can gather but for so long, we've been limited by the way we can interact with each other. And we're still having to wear masks when I'm not speaking. So what are the warning signs of an empty relational battery? Well, feeling lonely. If you feel lonely, it's a good sign that you have a low emotion, relational battery. Feeling forgotten. You know, when... You're at home thinking, nobody cares for me. Nobody loves me. Nobody is bothered about my life. It probably means that our relational batteries are getting empty. You know, feeling isolated, you're just, oh, well, I don't really belong anywhere. Nowhere to belong. Relational battery needs some attention. You know, even if it gets really bad, you might go to have a low mood or even depression, sadness, often loneliness. Isolation, feeling forgotten, low relational battery can lead to those things. Now, what percentage is your relational battery? The good news is we get to choose to charge our relational battery. Okay, thirdly, emotional battery. Proverbs 27, 19. As water reflects the face... So one's life reflects the heart. I think that's pretty profound. Proverbs 29, 11, A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. And then again, this is from The Voice. Um, so read it in the kind of NIV or ESV as well. Ecclesiastes 11:10. When all is said and done, clear your mind of all its worries. Free your body of all its troubles while you can, for youth and the prime of life will soon vanish. Emotional health is a massive issue, especially over the last two years. Emotional bankruptcy, you know, or at least emotional low battery, can have a significant impact on you and I. You know, it can manifest so differently in different people. You know, in some, it's anger. You know, people get angry because emotionally they're, they're just bankrupt. Again, it might be low mood or, or low self-esteem or, or, or becoming work, a workaholic. Because if you can fill your time with work, then you don't have to think about your emotions. It could be addictions. As simple as an addiction to Netflix is a way of dulling down our emotions. Maybe changes to sleep. Or withdrawal from friends and family, agitation, anxiety. You know, I could go on. All of these are symbols and signs that our emotional battery needs some recharge. 
You know, so often, um, as English or British or probably all human beings, to be fair, when asked, how are you? How are you? Do we not answer, I am fine, and leave it at that? You know, what is the charge level of your emotional battery? As Ecclesiastes puts it so well, and I'm going to paraphrase it, life is too short to be emotionally bankrupt. So three batteries, three batteries, spiritual, relational, emotional. Three questions, same question for all of them. What percentage charge is your emotionally, relational, and spiritual batteries? You know, firstly, how do we recharge them? Well, firstly, we can choose to take responsibility for planting ourselves in good soil. We are responsible for charging our batteries. The best way of getting our batteries recharged is understanding that we are responsible for charging our batteries. No one else can charge them for us. We have to plug our mobile phones in, otherwise it's not going to be charged. You know, over the last few years, I've become busier, um, and my physical fitness and health has become worse. Um, lots of reasons, but the bottom line is I choose things other than exercise, uh, and so I get less fit. Um, but there's also other things as well. So I got a dodgy right ankle, and my calf muscles were a bit painful, which stopped me from running. So anyway, I knew that 2022 was going to be the year of getting fitter. That's my New Year's resolution. And um, so what I did was I booked myself into a physio appointment. And actually, on New Year's Eve, I went to the physio. And physios do what physios do. And um, they gave me a load of exercises. And hey, presto, it's made it better. Not fully, I still can't quite run yet, but I'm well on the way to being able to run. And if I can run, then I hopefully can get fitter. And if I get fitter, I can hopefully lose some weight, and my whole well-being and physical health will be better for it. But I had to prioritize it. I had to make the choice to go to the physiotherapist. I had to choose every day to do the exercises morning and night. I will have to choose when I'm allowed to run every day or, or three or four times a week to eat less food or eat the right food. You know, I have to choose how I'm going to make myself physically fitter. No one can run for me. You know, we have to choose to charge our batteries. No one can do it for you. You know, in, over the years as a pastor, I've had conversations with people that, that, that have said, oh, I just don't know anyone. I don't know anyone. Do you go to life group? No, I don't go to a life group. How often do you come on a Sunday? Probably once every six weeks. I don't know what to say to that as a pastor, other than get yourself in a life group and get to church on a Sunday. You know, uh, that's the antidote. That's the way we charge our batteries. You see, one of the lies of the enemy, one of the lies is that you are powerless to change. The enemy would love you to believe that the level of battery charge you have is the best it can be. It really isn't. It's not abundant life. So I want to finish with three things you can do to charge each of those batteries. Three things. Are you ready? So um, you can take notes or you can re-watch the video later um, on YouTube video. That's how old I am. The movie. 
<laughs> anyway, spiritual batteries, I digress. Um, prioritize a Sunday service, a Sunday worship service and fellowship. You see, you get two for the price of one on a Sunday. You get to encounter the presence of God, probably more than two, actually. You get to learn from God's word, and you get to hang out with other people. You get to charge two batteries for the price of one. Build a daily devotional rhythm. Have a devotional time. You know, I'm not the best. Consistency on the strength finder strength is my 34th strength, so basically the, the, the weakest strength of all of the strengths. Anyway, so devotional times each day is something that I struggle with. And, um, but when I do it, I feel better. I feel better. So plan it in. Even if it's just five minutes at the start of the day, a quick read of the word, a quick time of prayer, just set you up, and then build on that. Practice silence and solitude. I love going to the beach, and um, I haven't got time to do like, some imaginative prayer with you this morning, but I just stop and I just think, right, Jesus is walking with me. Let's have a chat while I'm walking on the beach. In silence and solitude, just me and the Lord. Why don't you just try it for an hour a month this year? See what a difference it makes. Three things you can do for your spiritual battery. Relational battery. Okay, today is a good day to do this talk. We hadn't actually planned it to fill on this time, but you know, in the sense of my talk and the sign-up. But we are signed up to life groups. A really great way of charging your relational battery is to join a life group, to get to know others and be known. Secondly, invest time with good friends. You know, it is really hard, but what constitutes a good friend? Someone who's going to tell you the truth. Not someone that's going to tell you what you want to hear, but someone who's going to say, David, you know, you need to probably not do that because that's not helping you in your life to thrive. Spend time with good friends. And have fun with friends, thirdly. Have fun. I don't know about you, but the last couple of years, has, there's been a significant absence of fun. Life's been serious. It's been hard. So I think relational batteries, you know, whether that's going out for a meal or having people over for a meal, going for a walk, you know, join us on this walk next week, I think it is, next weekend. You know, play sport with others. Maybe go to see a film or, or just go to the pub for a drink. You know, whatever it is, spend time with friends, good friends, have fun. That will charge your relational battery. You know, sometimes I'm an introvert. I, I really struggle to make friends. I, I know I'm up here speaking and, I, and maybe I don't come across it, but I'm actually really shy. Talking to somebody one-to-one -one I find really difficult. And I found it really helpful when I became a Christian and joined the church to be part of a life group, a home group at that time, to be around on a Sunday, join a ministry team where I had to talk to people because you know, I was helping lead kids or, or set up or whatever else it was. And before I knew it, I'd got friends, people who looked out for me and gave me a call and see how I was. So if you struggle with friendships, press in, don't pull out. Finally, emotional. 
So the first tip for emotional health and charging your spiritual ba- your emotional battery is to charge your spiritual and your relational one. It's amazing if, you fo- if your relationship with the Lord is okay and you've got friends around you who care for you, that you emotionally you feel a bit better about yourself. If you want to be more focused, then join the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality Life Group. Be honest. You know, I am fine is probably the worst thing we can say. Because it's probably very rarely right or true. If you're great, say you're great. If you're feeling rubbish, say you feel rubbish. If there's friends around you, they'll celebrate with you or they'll journey with you in the tough times. You know, tell someone, talk to a friend, a spouse, a parent, a GP, one of the pastors in the church. Be honest. And thirdly, get help. Get help when you need it. That might be, as I say, talking with a friend or a pastor. Maybe getting prayer ministry. But it might be getting counselling. It might be getting some therapy. It might be going to see your GP. You know, we do not need to live with mental health issues alone. Get the help you need, if you need it. Don't somehow bottle it up and try and deal with it yourself. Nicola and I have 90 minutes with a counsellor who acts as our supervisor from an emotional perspective every six weeks. We sit down, we tell her how we feel, how we're getting on with each other, you know, the things that are tough and hard, and we come out feeling better. It's the best choice we made, just to give ourselves safe space to talk about how we feel. You know, if we want abundant life, shalom in our life, then we need to choose, firstly, to serve the Lord, to follow Jesus. Secondly, we need to learn from creation, to learn from plants and trees all around us and make sure we plant ourselves in an environment to thrive. And then we need to choose to keep our spiritual, relational, and emotional batteries charged. Only you can do that. Ben, do you want to come and join us? Only you can do that. Only you can choose. Make the choices to do that. Jesus will help you. The Spirit will give you strength to do those things. But you have to choose to make changes in your life to thrive instead of just surviving at best. So shall we pray? And then we're going to worship. I just want to really encourage you just to just to settle yourself in this moment. Just settle yourself. You know, just take some time to be honest with yourself. Think around those batteries, spiritual, relational, emotional. You know, how are you doing? How are you doing? Think around the soil you've planted yourselves in. Maybe the weeds of the busyness of life that have maybe crashed in and are robbing you of the nutrients and the sun that you need to thrive. Take some time to think about that in this moment. 
You know, at the start of 2022, we can choose. We can choose what our life is going to look like this year. We can choose where we're going to invest the soil we're going to plant ourselves in. Whether we're going to drain our batteries or charge them. We can choose. So Holy Spirit, just come. Lord, we know that you can come and bring change in a moment. You can bring healing and restoration and refreshing. So Lord, help us in the moment, but also help us to make good choices. So I want to encourage you to stand if you're able. And if you're at home, just stay connected. It's so easy to switch off at this point. Even if you just rest in this worship time. But let's worship the Lord. Let's once again commit to serve the Lord this year and to make good choices.